Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. David, thanks for coming on. Hello, mate. You're at a different time of day to me, aren't you? I can tell. We're 12 this time, and uh, what were you, uh, like around 8 or so, 8 in the evening? No, this, is, this is 5 o'clock in the afternoon, mate. Oh, 5 o'clock? Okay, very good. Not too bad. And real dark. Where are you then? I'm in Florida right now. Florida, oh yeah. Well, there's worse places, especially now. <laughs> That's why I moved to Florida, because California, where I was, is like gone bad. So I'm like, oh, oh wow. California. California, here I'm not coming. So a longtime fan of your, all your work. I was just at Gaia recently, and they talked about you. They had a great time when you were there. That's right, yeah, just before all this nonsense started. I used to love California. I've traveled America incessantly from 1996. Right, well, not too long before the COVID thing started. I love California, but you know, over the years, I just watched it transform. I was in the Navy SEAL teams in San Diego for many, many years. Loved it down in Southern California. So, uh, you know, I came back, I was living in the uh, South Lake Tahoe, very, very beautiful area. And just uh, everything from the lockdown on is just gotten really bad. You know, the taxes and they're turned into communists there. So it's just had to had to leave, couldn't support it anymore. Yeah, communist fascists, fascists they're, they're all different masks on the same face, aren't they, really? So your new book is uh, outstanding. It's one of those books where you, uh, you know, I love reading. I've read many, many books. I'm one of your fans. I've read pretty much every one of your books. When I read this one, just the first few page, I was like, I had to put it down like, oh my God, it's like on a different level. So all throughout the book is like every page I turn to is like just unbelievable. You have really done a good job on this one. Congratulations. That's very kind, mate. You know, I've been going through some changes myself. I've been going through um, coma sleeps for 30 years and I've just had one this afternoon. I've been drinking the coffee in the last quarter of an hour, I'll be honest, because I was so spaced out when I woke up. It's like um, you come back and you know something. You know, you come out of these coma sleeps, you know something. You don't know what you know. Your conscious mind doesn't know, but you know that something's there and it's going to come through eventually. And this has um, been going on now even more obviously over the last maybe year or so. It's COVID era, really. And uh, it's made everything in my mind simpler. You know, they say... The more you know, the more you realize Realize. that there's something in there. But I find that um, the more you know, the simpler it gets. Because what you tend to do then is you start to remove the extraneous bits that, that are interesting, but not the main pillars. And you can write in a way where you, you leave in what's absolutely necessary to grasp what's going on, but you leave out that which uh, is interesting, but can get in the way if you um, if you give too much of it. And uh, in that perception of a renegade mind, because you do have a renegade mind, let me read the first one and we can kind of discuss that. There's just this couple of sentences here. The whole foundation of human control and oppression is control of perception. Once perception is hijacked, then so is behavior, which is dictated by perception. Collective perception becomes collective behavior. Collective behavior is what we call human society. So, I mean, when I read that, I was like, oh, I got to put this down and, and dwell on this. So, it, and it's like that throughout your book. I'm just like, oh, my God, it's just one thing after another. You have really, it's almost like they, they David, we want you to come down to earth and, and school these people and clue them up. It's like, <laughs> like, And you're like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, okay. 
at the height of the ridicule, which was massive and uh, extended until, you know, COVID came along and people say, well, actually, maybe he's not so crazy. I had this vision of being on some other dimension and they asked for volunteers and everybody took a step back and I'm, I'm standing there. <laughs> What's going on? And although it's, it's obviously challenging now, it's challenging in a different way in that your challenge is to keep the communication channels open as the censorship goes hysterical, but also it's to cope with the interest. And 25 years ago, 20 years ago, coping with the interest was not a problem. <laughs> Finding the interest was the problem. So it's a different kind of problem, but it's a nicer one. And, you know, this thing about perception is it's the key to everything. And I'm looking all the time for the simple behind the apparently complex. Because, you know, I remember when I was a journalist on newspapers and radio, and I would talk uh, here and there to academics and scientists on various stories, whatever they were. And um, I left school at 15 to be a professional soccer player. So mm -hmm. I never took a, anything more than an end of year class exam in my life. And so uh, I would say to these people, look, just imagine I'm dead thick, right? Give it me in simple terms. It's like that, that line in that, um, that movie, uh, Notting Hill, you know, with um, Julia Roberts, where she says mm -hmm. to the guy, he says, where do I live? He said, well, give it me in yards. So I would say to them, give it me in yards, you know. And what I found again and again is they couldn't. They mm. couldn't go beyond the jargon. And what you realize is when people are repeating jargon at you all the time, it's because they don't understand really what they're saying and what their subject is. People who understand their subject can talk about it in simple terms and don't have to use jargon. And so I saw even then this film actually cloud of complexity that was making things seem to be so complex. Now, of course, in the way life plays out, it can appear very complex. But what I'm looking for, and I've been looking for all these decades, is what's the simple truth behind the apparent complexity? And break it down to where it's all coming from. You know, you can stand on a, a cinema stage in a movie theater and you can watch the pictures and it all seems complex and scenes and lines and uh, all this stuff. But it's actually coming from a projector or it used to anyway. The back, that's where it's coming from. So I want to know where it's coming from. And as I scan this global network of deceit, I realize that actually the stadium in which it's being played out is human perception. That's it. Everything's coming from that. If you can control human perception, you control human behavior collectively, like you say in the book, you then collectively, human behavior comes human society. And there's one step back from that, which is where does perception come from? Uh, perception comes from information received. That's, that's how we form our perceptions. It could be a personal experience. It could be a news bulletin, a Facebook post, whatever. It's information, the education system massively, or what passes for it. It's that information that we, through which we form our perceptions. So if you look through history, you've had this constant theme in which organizations are seeking to impose the perception of the population. And it goes deeper than that, which I'm sure we can get into, where what happens the, the other way after to perception or in a more deeper esoteric nature of reality uh, way. So you had for centuries, you had religion. And religion, now I'm not knocking the fact that people express their spirituality through religion. Mm -hmm. um, good luck to them. It's none of my business. But what I have challenged is the rigidity of religion. 
Because if you break down the reality that we're experiencing, according to mainstream science, the uh, electromagnetic spectrum, which is basically our reality as we interact with it, is 0.005% of what exists in the universe, or what they call the universe, and just one of infinite numbers. So you have some that say it's as high as 0.5%, but you know, it doesn't matter, it's tiny. So when we're looking at our visual reality, what we see and glean in a visual way, visible light, they call that, and that's a smear of the 0.005%. So in terms of what there is to explore, what there is to see and energy and all this stuff, consciousness, reality, we're actually seeing the most almost laughable, a laughably narrow band of it. And so if you break it down, what religions are saying is, are many of them anyway, is that all you need to know to understand life, everything, is what's between the covers of this book within 0.005% of uh, the universe, indeed visually within a smear of that. And that, that's kind of, if you look at it, that, that is a, a perception bubble. And then there's the pressure not to go beyond it. So, and there's pressure in, in all these reality bubbles, these focused myopic reality bubbles that they try to put us into. They're not bothered what you believe as long as you believe it rigidly and, and are immovable on it. As long as you, you have a, a, a rigid belief, they're not too bothered because that, they've got you. So you look at these religions and their structure is saying, this is all you need to know. And if you go beyond it in any way, you're a blasphemer, you're not one of us and all this. And as religion has, um, has waned, well, what is religion? Well, it's what my father used to call bricks and mortar religion. But religion is not just churches. It's not just temples. Right. It's woke. Woke's a religion. COVID is a religion. Right. Uh, Human-caused global warming is a religion. Mm -hmm. in that they are rigid beliefs. We keep coming back to the same thing. They are rigid beliefs that are immovable to which evidence and other ways of seeing what's happening are irrelevant. I've said to people who are really extreme Christians uh, over the years that this, that, and the other, just perfectly supportable historical information, and they've said, I'm not bothered because I've got my belief. And that's all right. That's your choice as long as you don't impose on anyone else. But that's just the same mentality. Here's a load of information that shows you that COVID is a hoax. Here's a load of information, factual, provable, checkable information that shows you uh, human-caused global warming is a hoax. They're not interested because it, it's, a, it's this religious further of, um, of faith. And that's what we've got. And if you look at what's happening in the world today, all these things that have been going on through history, all these psychological patterns have now actually come to the surface and you're just looking at them in front of you. So you've got the COVID believers uh, for which it, it's a religion, it's a cult. It, it must not be challenged no matter how nonsensical it obviously is. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the other people who are questioning what they're told and coming to their own conclusions. And that's what I've observed this too. The point where the conclusion comes tells you uh, where people are perceptually. Because if you look at the wokers and you look at the COVID cultists, uh, you look at the global warming uh, cultists, the conclusion comes at the start of the process. In fact, there is no process. It's a conclusion that starts it and ends it. So this is how it is. Boom. That's my conclusion. 
any other evidence that will challenge that conclusion, either I'm not listening to, or ideally, we're going to censor it. And then you've got the people who have the self-respect to question and, and look at all the uh, evidence before coming to a conclusion. Their conclusion comes at the end of the process when they've been through that analysis. If you look at the evidence of all these things we're talking about, then your conclusion at the end of it will overwhelmingly be, it's a load of nonsense, mate. And they're the ones that won't have had. They're the ones who can see through the lies. It's like ev everything. You know, you, you look at the Jim Jones cult, Jonestown. It's the same thing. You know, this rigid, unyielding belief and uh, inability to question what, you, what you're told and the fear of questioning what you're told, which is increasingly being uh, imposed upon people. And so this is a battle for perception because if they get your perception, they get your behavior. And like I say, we'll get into deeper levels of that because perception is the core of actually how we control our, uh, create our reality as well. It goes really deep. Perception is absolutely everything. And in your book, you do a really good job of explaining that. You have like students become teachers and they're in the system for you know their whole lives and they believe in the system. They give to the cult. They add to the cult. It's pretty amazing, all the stuff. So you just bookended your book just now, and now you're digging deeper into your book. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I love how you like bring in information that's uh, you know transcends you know pretty much everything in our our knowledge and existence right now. So you talk about the Freemasonic motto, "Order out of chaos," and this is why the cult is constantly creating chaos to impose a new order. So we're seeing that right now throughout the world. I mean, I saw you on uh, London Real, absolutely brilliant, millions of views, and they had to take that down, unfortunately. So you're doing what they don't want you to do. You're cluing people up. How do we get to the point where we can clue people up and you know get them to the point where we can break the system? Let's dive deeper uh, then, because what is perception? It's a state of consciousness. And Consciousness is infinite. Everything is conscious. Everything is conscious. Some things might be more conscious than others, but everything is conscious because everything is consciousness. What we call the, the physical human world, which isn't physical, is uh, consciousness made manifest. It's like Einstein talked about, that matter being simply uh, energy that's, that's come to a, a slow, low vibration to the point where actually the human sight, as I would say it, the, the human sight frequency band can actually perceive it. So. I'm sitting in this room and uh, my five senses, this is how, it, how they decode everything, can see form and it can see empty space in between the form or what it perceives to be empty space. So the form has the objects are made of or manifested from energy, in Einstein's words, that have reached a, a vibration low enough and slow enough for the sight senses to decode it, to pick it up. In other words, to see it. And the human sight and human touch and human taste and human hearing and all, all these five senses, human smell, they're all frequencies of information that are turned into electrical signals by the five senses, communicated to the brain, and then the brain constructs reality from that input in a digital holographic form, which all goes on in here. And so our perception, obviously, is that there is a, a reality outside of us. Well, that reality is waveform information, a bit like, you know, you could 
symbolize it very, very accurately, was as Wi-Fi, that, that dynamic. But the actual world exists in, in here. And it's absolutely classically portrayed in the Matrix movies. They were portrayed as being in the real world, in their ship outside of the Matrix. But out of the end of the Matrix, the end of the Matrix by a probe going in the back of the neck in the reptilian part of the brain, and it feeds the brain with information. So they've gone nowhere. They're sitting in the chair on the ship. They've gone to experience the matrix. And what is the matrix? It's an information source, which their brain is um, decoding and into an apparent physical reality with uh, solidity and, and what have you. If you uh, look at the brain, I've been saying this for so long, the brain is not where consciousness comes from. It's not. The brain is a processor of information. And whatever information you give it to process, it will process that into a sense of reality. And so if you look at the virtual reality games and uh, what have you, you put on a headset, you put on the ear, ear uh, uh, audio uh, headphones, you know, the sophisticated ones, you put on gloves to mimic uh, the uh, touch senses. And what's happening, just like the probe in the back of the neck in the matrix, is the brain is fed an information source from the game. Mm-hmm. And because the brain is a processor of information, it's going to process that information and it's going to make to turn it into a reality. And so you, you see people, they're in a room like this maybe, but they've got the headset on and all that stuff and they're, they're, they're reacting all to everything as if, as if what's being fed to their brain is real. Now that is a less sophisticated expression of this very advanced virtual reality that we are experiencing, but the brain works in the same way. It processes information. And what they found with the brain, although they they said for ages this wasn't true, now they know it is, which is the opposite of what they thought. They thought that when the brain is is formed, then that's it. That's how it is for life. Now they know it's not true, nothing like true, because of something they call brain placidity. And brain placidity is basically the information that you receive will trigger the brain to fire in its neuron networks in sync with that information. And a part of that information, massively part of that information, is our perceptions, our beliefs, our thoughts, our way of seeing things. Every time we think, every time we feel emotionally, we're we're generating a frequency. And those frequencies, the brain will decode. And those are the frequencies that we feel coming off people when we say, oh, I've got bad vibes from him. Oh, I've got good vibes from him. This is the frequencies they're picking up. And so you have a, um, a situation where if you've got a rigid belief, you know, this is how it is, woke, the COVID cult, the human-caused global warming cult, it will process that information. The brain will form in its firing networks to process that information. And if all that continues, then it will go on doing it over and over again. It will fire in the same way. In other words, it will decode perception into a sense of reality in a repeating cycle because nothing's changed. And so that is the equivalent. This cult, global cult behind all this, knows this. It's what it tries to keep from us. That's why they have secret societies, to keep these secrets from the population. It knows that if they can download, your belief, your sense of reality, then 
the brain will uh, fire in a way that just keeps repeating that. And that's the same equivalent of firewalling a computer, like the computer system in, in uh, China, where lots of people, uh, lots of the internet, great chunks of the internet are not available to people in China because firewalled off. The computer literally will not process that information. Hmm. And the more you can create the rigid rigidity of uh, brain function through rigidity of belief and rigidity of perception, you are creating the same situation. And what we call awakening is when we're willing to open our mind. And the mind's not the brain. The, the, the brain is the, the processor of, the, of information coming from the mind, which is an electromagnetic field on this level. It's multi-level, multi but on this level. And so if you start to open your mind and access uh, greater swathes of consciousness, which is all around us, then, that, you know, it's like a sea we're swimming in. The information the brain is being asked to process changes, and therefore the brain starts to fire in relation to that new information into a new perception, a more expanded perception, a more insightful perception. And suddenly people's perceptions and behavior changes, and they say, I've woken up. Yes, you've woken up from the mind prison that you were in, overwhelmingly dominated by the five-sense um, uh, perception. But there's a, a bigger level of this, and that is that the way that we interact with this sea of consciousness, what some people call the quantum field of possibility and probability, that's all around us. Because if, if our five senses could decode deeper into the energetic field, it would see that there is no empty space. There's certainly no empty space between the form that we otherwise see. They are expressions, they are unfolding expressions, manifestations of this sea of energy consciousness, which some people call God. In the East, they call it Brahman, the, the sea of potentiality. Uh, and um, the Lakota in uh, North America, they describe it as Wakantanka, the force that moves all things. All these different cultures through the ages have had the same concept, they just call it different names. And anthropologists go along and historians, oh, they, this is what they think. And this is what... No, they all think the same. If you just break it down, get away from the names and the labels. Look at what they're saying. Look at how they're describing it. They're describing this sea of consciousness. This sea of consciousness, potentiality and probability, possibility. This is why, you know, you hear phrases like that God is all that is, has been and ever can be. Now, the five sense mind says, come on. You can't be all that is, has been, and ever can be, past, present, future, all that stuff. But what is all that is, has been, and ever can be? It's simply all possibility waiting to manifest. And so this sea of possibility is everything and it's nothing. It is and it isn't. And therefore, um, all possibility has to be there within all possibility. And then the question is, how much of this potentiality and possibility are we tapping into? to create this feedback loop that becomes our experience reality? Well, the answer is our old friend, perception. Because we are generating frequencies with our thoughts and with our emotions, that sum total of those frequencies we generate, sum total of uh, our thoughts and emotions, perception, we're generating that as a frequency uh, field. And that frequency field, energetic, is interacting with the frequency field energetic of, of the sea of possibility and probability that we are part of. And how expanded 
that's the sense of perception is both in self-identity and the world dictates how much of this possibility and probability we can manifest into a, a human experience. So, for instance, and this really does, oh my God, does this explain why they want to control our perception? Because they know our perception becomes our experience reality. Perception doesn't just become behavior and collective behavior becomes human society. Human perception becomes our experienced reality. For this reason, if you have a self-identity, which they want us to have, of limitation, of I can't, it's like the, the Buddha is quoted as saying, the mind that perceives the limitation is the limitation. What you perceive, you believe, and what you believe, you experience. Or what you believe and perceive becomes your experience. So they know that if they can grasp your belief system, they can grasp your perceptual system, they will dictate the scale of potentiality that you will connect with in this field of potentiality and possibility. And so if you've got a self-identity and a perception of self and the world of little me, I've got no power, then that sense of limitation, because the, the mind creates everything, consciousness creates everything. In the end, there is only consciousness. Its sense of limitation will create a limitation of frequency band and frequency frequency in terms of its uh, nature that will interact with this sea of possibility and probability. And what happens then is your perception becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because your sense of limitation means that you are actually going to manifest limitation because of the tiny amount of this possibility and probability you're going to tap into with that, with that perception and self-identity. But then you, you expand and you stop identifying with the labels of the human life, which is what, that's what they want us to do. You are a man, you are a woman, you are this sexuality, you are this race, you are this religion, you are this income bracket, these labels, that's who you are. Because they, because all those things are labels of the five senses. Because the five senses see everything as apart from everything else, it's the only way they can, they can perceive. They see dots, they don't see patterns, they don't see pictures. You can never connect dots without some form of expanded awareness, because five senses won't do that. All they see is dots and randomness. But if you start to... Um, change your self-identity from I am my labels to I am the consciousness that is having the experience called the labels. Those labels are experiences. I am the consciousness having those experiences. And the uh, there is no limit to the scale and expansion of consciousness that I can tap into except my own perception to the mind that perceives limitation is the limitation. Well, the mind that perceives no limitation has no limitation. It's just the same process. So suddenly, people in that state, they are now interacting. And the very nature or the very expression of your expanded self-identity automatically expands your consciousness. Because as you're, you break out of limitations in terms of self-identity, you are releasing your mind open to tap into greater swathes of this field of possibility and probability, and thus you have a very different life. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Jaco. Join me on Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, where we'll uncover the hidden parts of our human potential and propel you to new heights of existence and consciousness realms. As a former Navy SEAL for 24 years and CIA security officer for 11, I've been involved in aggressive combat training, 
and operated in combat zones for well over 35 years. From Panama, Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Libya, and Lebanon, I have honed my leadership, tactical, combat skills, and knowledge expertise to a master level. As a little boy, five years old, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL after watching the movie Navy Frogmen. I also looked at the movies and read the books of Ian Fleming, 007, James Bond. I wanted to be that when I grew up. And I was always inspired by entrepreneurs that helped humanity and brought about great change that furthered the consciousness and abilities of humankind to master levels. I always wanted to do that. The first two I did to an extraordinary level. And now today, as an entrepreneur and speaker, reaching millions all over the world, now I'm sharing the information that really propelled me. When I was a chief enlisted officer, I motivated, led, trained, and provided inspiration and insight to officers of all ranks, all the way up to flag level and even the Secretary of Defense for the United States. With my operational background, planning, master training, and course design abilities, I have trained thousands and thousands of military and law enforcement personnel, and now I inspire and train millions throughout the world with my intuitive insights into the workings of the human mind. I and many listening to this message are living proof that each of us have amazing potentials far beyond what most consider possible. For me, the impossible is what I strive to always master and excel at. And as a Navy SEAL and in the CIA and combat zones, I did the impossible over and over and over again. And now I want to help you do the same. Tune in to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, and join the growing tribe as I show you how to unleash your own hidden potential. I want to interject a little bit because so people can get a little break because you're like blowing, blowing fuses. I'm sure <laughs> you're, you're about to blow mine. I'm like, I, I feel I'm pretty, pretty evolved. Okay. So, you know, I, you know, been involved with, uh, you know, special forces and, uh, you know, there in the UK, you have the excellent SAS. I've, I've worked with those guys. And then when I left the military, I went into the CIA and worked on, you know, tracking down terrorists and all that stuff. So we would, uh, you know, occasionally run into our SAS partners that were providing security for those people that are trying to make things right in these countries, getting intelligence. But there were these groups of people that would come in that would control consciousness, like we're talking about. We would do the mockingbird uh, media type stuff. And we're like, how? And we would sit around and say, what are these guys doing? We're trying to like stop the negativity, but yet they're feeding the negativity with mockingbird media stuff. So, that's a lot of what we're seeing. So we're, it was very obvious to us. And that's one of the reasons why I left that organization, because it's like just repeating this cycle that you're talking about. And it's very, very frustrating. So you're basically outlining all of this is absolutely miracle what you're doing. Quite honestly, you're, you're coming in with the information that breaks it down, gets right to the point faster than anything I've ever seen. You're amazing. Absolute master. So I hope people are paying attention so just want to put a little bit of what goes on out there. People are, you know, totally aware in a lot of different organizations and want this thing to end. 
you have the answers right here with what you're sharing. Okay, please proceed. Yeah, so the answer is usually, in fact, it always is, removing the cause of the problem. You know, people use this phrase, uh, what are the solutions, overwhelmingly from experience, lead to more problems. The, the, the wise thing to do, surely, is to identify what's causing the problem and then remove the cause of the problem. And the problem must disappear because its cause is gone. And the cause of human control is that great swathes of humanity have given their perceptions away. And uh, they've given them away, uh, one, just by doing it, by not questioning what they're told, just believing it. And of course, the power of repetition is phenomenal in terms of perceptual programming. And then there's the others that have some awareness beyond that, but are frightened of, um, of taking on the system or you know, refusing to cooperate with the system. And so they do it anyway. And what tends to happen with those people is they're told to believe that two and two equals five. And, and at the start, they know it equals four, but they'll go along with it because um, it's to them, it's a quieter life and it's, it's easier and, and, and people don't have a go at them. And they're now part of the crowd, the herd. But what happens in the end is out of sheer self-respect and repetition, once you accept even, oh, I know it's not, but I'm going with it, that two and two equals five, then eventually you start to believe it. And part of that process is self-respect preservation because you have to live with yourself that you are going along with you at something you know is wrong, you know is nonsense, and you're doing it when you know it's not right to do it because it's an easier life for you or you think it is. So as part of that, overcoming that lack of self-respect that comes from that, doing what you're told like a little boy and girl, you then start to believe two and two equals five so that you can avoid the psychological, emotional consequences of knowing that you are lying to yourself and not being true to yourself. And so you see this absorption of people's perceptions into the most nonsensical belief systems of two and two equals five. So the first of all, if we're going to preserve our intellectual integrity, then we need to not compromise on two and two equals four and just call it out. You can say that you are identifying as a woman, even though you're clearly not, and you can go, therefore, into uh, women's bathrooms and the changing rooms of girls. You can do that because um, it's self-identity. And, you know, that's two and two equals five. You've got something dangling there, mate. You're not a freaking woman, all right? Now, you might identify as one. That's fine. But you've got a male body, right? So you ain't coming into this girl's and woman's bathroom. You're not coming into this changing room. It ain't happening. Two and two equals four, all right? There's a biological female and there's a biological male. Two and two equals four. And once you let that go, then you're in very dangerous territory and you get all this nonsense that goes on. And we have to call out the nonsense uh, when it's nonsense and not fear the consequences of doing it. Because the consequences of not doing it are vastly more sinister and long term than standing up to it now. It's being true to yourself. And this is the other big area, you know. If you break it down, one of the biggest, if not the biggest form of control is fear of death. And fear of death comes from the ignorance of life because consciousness is eternal. Consciousness goes on. Of course, the body has a cycle, but we, consciousness, have eternity. 
so at some point, this cycle of the body is going to end. Thank God I don't want to stay here forever. Thank you. It's all right. So it's going to end at some point. Now, my God, you, you will have experienced this so many times in your life with what you've done. You reach a point where you think, well, is holding on a few more years, or I think it is, worth conceding my self-respect? No, no way. And so what happens when you, you have this fear of death is, first of all, all your powers given to doctors now. Oh, your fear of death. Oh, doctor, save me. Give me a few more years. So the, pa- the doctor gets the power because uh, mm-hmm. you're going to do whatever the doctor tells you because you think that he or she is going to give you a few more years. And, of course, we've seen the extraordinary behavior of the medical profession in the COVID era, absolutely disgraceful. There's some good doctors, there's some great doctors, there are some genuine doctors, many of which have spoken out. But my God, there's some psychopaths and there's some bloody idiots that just repeat what the system tells them without question. And so you start giving your power away to them because you fear death. Well, death's gonna gonna come quicker. It really is. I mean, some of the people I've met were doctors. You think, if you were there when I walked into your surgery and I see you, I'm certainly going to feel better, mate. You know? Oh, sorry, I feel better now. What do you mean you feel better? What's happened? I've just seen you. I'm off. If you don't fear death, then you won't be intimidated on anything like the same scale. You know, if you're not frightened of death, well, you're going to do what you know to be right rather than do what you think is right to give you a few more years. Or you're not going to be intimidated by people in uniform and dark suits. You're going to be in your power. You're going to be in your integrity. And when they say, well, if you don't do this, then we'll do that. Well, you say, we'll do it then because I'm not doing it. Well, we'll kill you. We'll kill me then. I'm still not doing it. It's not happening. And it's a completely different way of looking at life because once you come into this perception that we are eternal consciousness having a brief human experience, and my God, it's brief. I'm 69. I know how bloody brief it is. You come from that point of view. A human life is a brief human experience. It's not everything. It's not all everything that matters, the biblical three score years and 10. It's a brief human experience. And it can be very nice and it can be very interesting, fascinating and all that stuff. But it's a brief human experience. And once you're coming from that perception, your way of looking at things changes. Now, you're not looking for the sake of it. I mean, I don't want to leave you out. I don't intend to leave you out. I'm not going to leave you out. I've got things to do. But you're realizing it's an experience and it's not everything. Therefore, the way you see it kind of is in a much more expanded way. And, and it gets less and less and less and less of that sense of reality. Whereas if you are in the idea of either this life is the only one, you know, and then the lights go out or that some God's going to judge you or whatever, then it, this becomes a big thing. This becomes the big thing, this, this physical experience as we perceive it. Whereas from a point of view of I am the consciousness having the experience, it, it's very much more chilled out and it's got a panorama. It sees the bigger picture. And so it says, look, I can see what's going on here and I'm not going to acquiesce to what I know is leading us down a very dark and sinister road just because of what will they do to me. See, that's, the, that's, a, that's another big thing of reaching this point of expanded awareness. Anyone can do it. It's supposed to be a natural state. It's the manipulation that's put in is an unnatural state of five sense dominance. It will do what it knows to be right and will not think of consequences. When your heart's open, 
uh, which is the greatest connection to out there, then it won't go through a list of consequences before doing what it knows to be right. This will, and this will, emotion. Okay, this is the right thing to do, but what are the consequences of me doing it? This won't do that because it says to contemplate consequences for doing what I know to be right is to contemplate not doing what I know to be right. So I would never contemplate that, this says. So you just do it and you just do it. And you don't go through this this process of, well, if I do that, what will they do to me? Or if I do that or say that, what will other people say? That's not in the game anymore. And what it gives you is a tremendous power that we all should have. There's no mental gymnastics. There's no, um, I think I have shown this over the years. There's no, well, if I say this, what will they think of me? Because I know that they won't think well of me. So what do I leave out so they'll think well of me? This is what's going on all the time. And what this process is doing is de-individualizing the uniqueness of all of us. We may be a expression of all that is, has been, and ever can be, but we are a unique expression. The sum total of our experience, the sum total of our perception. Thus, we should be celebrating our uniqueness as well as celebrating the fact that in the end, we're all one. And we need to hold that individuality. This is why this cult is trying to destroy individuality with the masks and the groupthink. It doesn't want that individuality because it's dangerous to it, because individuality makes individual decisions and, and doesn't go along with the crowd. And so if you follow your uniqueness and um, you express your individuality, you're actually breaking the stranglehold of these groupthink mind patterns that are actually running everything now. Woke is just a, a groupthink mind pattern. All of them are. But individuality breaks that. And what it will do is make individual decisions. Because like I was going to say, this process of what do I leave out so they'll think well of me is actually a de-individualization process. Because it's saying, this is me, but what of me, unique me, do I have to push aside so I become more like you in a way that's acceptable to you so that you'll think I'm okay and you won't attack me and you'll think, oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's living in the real world, all this stuff. So how do I change me to become you? That's the process that's going on. You look at the, the woke and the group think uh, mind patterns, people are, and the cults, the Jim Jones and all these uh, cult-like situations, the individual is conceding to the group and is giving their individuality away and becoming a blob group uh, mentality. In other words, they are becoming the group. And they become the group, A, because they stop thinking for themselves and questioning, and also because they're frightened of not becoming the group. And once you have this individuality, yes, I'm part of all that is, has been, and ever can be, but I'm a unique part of it, a unique expression of it. And thus, I'm going to celebrate my uniqueness you will not be pulled into any group and you won't come to someone else's conclusions. You'll come to your own. And this is absolutely the opposite direction to where they have to go perceptually mm -hmm. to, to mass control the human race. Definitely a, a profit for our time. So I love what you're saying. Everyone's loving it. We're live in, uh, you know, on YouTube right now. And uh, the chat is like blowing up. They're loving you. You're really bringing some good information for everybody to you know, succinctly get to the point where they can open their consciousness up and be unique like you're talking about. It's fantastic. 
So your your book is uh, definitely bringing me to that experience. I love it. What else can you share with us as far as like, you know, your perceptions of a renegade mind? I know I was reading through it and you're talking about how this cult is basically trying to make people think that, you know, everything's okay while they're opening the borders here in the U.S. and of course in Europe as well. How are you getting people to understand that? That is falseness, like you you were just talking about. Well, it's been in my book for well over a decade, if not more, right. that the southern border was planned to be opened up. And uh, what's really behind the uh, mass immigration policies in Europe from the Middle East and, uh, and Africa? And again, what happens is if you talk about this, the immediate response is you're a racist, right? Now, that's the point where the individuality comes in. Well, actually, I'm not a racist. I'm saying we're, we're all part of the same consciousness and the labels of a human life are illusions and just brief experiences. So I, I think it, when it comes to racism and judging people on race, I think I'm about as far from that as possible in my perception of reality. But I know that, right? I know that. And I don't care how many times you tell me I am the opposite of that. It doesn't matter. I know where I'm coming from. And I don't have to justify myself to you, matey, in the woke brigade. I am what I am, and I'm going to speak my truth. And you can call me a racist all you like, but I'm not. I know I'm not. So how many times you waste your vocal cords on it is up to you. It's making no difference to me. I'm going to keep saying what I'm saying. Of course, one of the key players behind all this is is George Soros through his Open Society Foundations, these uh, non-governmental organizations massively funded that have manipulated the mass immigration. What is the mass immigration about? Funnily enough, it's not even about the domination of of one race or one group. Not ultimately. It appears like that with all this, these blatantly obvious, boring, yawning attacks on white people. It seems to be a racial thing. What they're setting out to do is to transform Western society. And there are other reasons why they're attacking the white race. They're much deeper reasons. But the dominant race in Western society is the white race, just through history. That's what it's been. So if you're going to undermine it, you're going to go for the dominant racial type. You're going to go for white people because you want to bring down that on the road to bringing down that society and completely changing it, transforming it into something else, changing the demographics, changing the culture, changing everything. And then you you look at, okay, uh, history has, the way history has gone in Western society, the Christian religion is weaved through the fabric of Western society. And uh, that's part of what holds it together. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to uh, believe in Christianity, but the Christian structure is weaved in, into Western society. So number one, red flag. If through political correctness, you can not say anything about any racial group in any way, but you can say what you bloody like about white people, you know there's a scam going on. You know there's an agenda here. And if you go to the religion, you can't say anything against every other religion, but you say what you like about Christianity. And I'm not Christian. I'm not defending Christianity or stuff. I'm defending people's right to believe what they believe. But So political correctness is telling you who they're targeting. 
And I'm saying why they're targeting that is to change the nature of Western society. Funnily enough, in Britain and the Commonwealth, like Canada and Australia and New Zealand, weave through that is British royalty. And royalty has served this cult over the ages uh, magnificently because um, what better way of control than having ruled by royal succession? The power is in incredibly few hands. But this great reset is to transform the world on every level, in every way. And this means that the whole royal thing that has served them so well up to this point has got to go. So what you're seeing, for instance, in Britain, again, targeting Western society, is uh, the targeting of the British royal family. They've got this Prince Harry and his missus over in America firing Mm -hmm. cruise missiles at the royal family all the time. And the Queen's not going to be with us very long, I highly doubt. Uh, Prince Philip's gone, and what's left behind is Prince Charles that no one likes, and um, Prince William, who's had basically a a charisma bypass. It's not there to hold it all together because it's meant to go. It's meant to move into another form. And if you pull royalty out of British society, everything changes. You pull Christianity and royalty out of British society, everything's gone. Because in Britain, we don't have even a government of the people. We have Her Majesty's government. We don't have an opposition party for the people. We have, this is the title, Her Majesty's Most Loyal Opposition. You have Her Majesty's Tax Office. It's all Her Majesty's. The royal thing is weave through everything. The military, weave through the uh, intelligence agencies, everything. So you pull that out, the whole thing collapses, and has to be what? Rebuilt. So all these things are going on, and this mass immigration is part of it. I said uh, before Biden came in that that southern border is just going to go wide open once he gets in because I knew what was coming. It, it's a, a long-term plan mm-hmm. to change the nature of Western society and massively change the nature of the dominant nation in Western society, which is the United States. You change that, you change Western society in so many ways. And why this is not a racial thing, they're not just targeting white people. They're targeting white people now. But it's like everything. It's like that pastor in Nazi Germany who said first they came for the communists I was not a communist so I did nothing then they came for the trade unionists I was not a trade unionist so I did nothing then they came for the Jews and I was not a Jew so I did nothing then they came for me and there was no one left to speak out for me this is what's happening so if they uh, we allow them to they have subdued and marginalized the white race then they'll start picking off others because what they want is a global monoculture in fact, a global no culture, a technologically driven, soulless, no culture, ironically, no diversity world. So this is a process that we're seeing happen, but it's only this point in the process. It's not where it's meant to end. So if people think, oh, yeah, we'll support the targeting of the white race because, you know, our culture is the one. Well, they're after your culture next, mate. This is about creating a monoculture, centrally controlled global dictatorship in which there is no diversity. Everything's the same. In fact, where they want to take this, which is uh, partly uh, what these uh, jabs are about and, and this transformation of the human genetics, we're moving from a human 1.0, the biological human, to a much more synthetic human 2.0. And because uh, they are wanting to transform human society into a hive mind 
They want rid of vast numbers of people. I mean, depopulation on a massive scale. I've been talking about this for decades. But those that are left will not be human as we know them. They are meant to be much more synthetic expressions of, of life, if you call it that, and connected to artificial intelligence. All of them connected to artificial intelligence uh, through the brain and people like Ray Kurzweil at Google as is openly talking about this. So are many other people in Silicon Valley, because what's happened is up to this point being manipulating below the surface. But now, as their end game comes into sight, they have to break the surface because if they're going to change human society like that, they have to change human society like that in a way that people see it. So they've now gone from hiding it to selling it, to sales pitching it. Always be the great thing, oh yeah, we, uh, this is the metaverse that Zuckerberg's just come out with. It's all part of the same thing. As I, I, I talked about earlier, you have um, a, a natural state is expanded states of consciousness, what I'll call prime reality. And then you want to suppress that on every level you can. So you control information to try to suppress the perception that we are consciousness so that we believe we're our human labels and that's all that is. And then you move into identity politics and you subdivide the other labels, the previous labels, into smaller and smaller and smaller labels. So now you've got this long list of letters that people feel the need to use to self-identify. And what it is, it's squeezing and squeezing and squeezing their self-identity into smaller and smaller labels. Now, you know, people defining their entire being by their sexuality and the fine detail of their sexuality. And all the time, we're coming further and further and further away from the understanding that we are infinite consciousness into smaller and smaller and smaller, smaller labels. And the idea, complete that process by removing even the need to manipulate information to program perception. The program, the perception rather, comes direct to the brain via AI. And the idea is that this hive mind, I've been writing about this for decades, the hive mind, the assimilation agenda. So much laughter to start with, uh, not so much now. And it's meant to be centrally controlled because if you've got AI connected to, to all the human brains, which is the idea, and how they do it, we can, we can discuss. They're doing it in front of our eyes now. It's called the, the jab. Then from a central point, you can dictate everybody's perception. They're not thinking anymore. They don't have the right to think, the, the ability to think. Kurzweil's talked about this he, openly because he says, oh, we're going to become the gods. He says, what's going to happen? And he's, he's given a date around 2030 is that um, AI will do more and more of human thinking until human thinking as we know it is basically negligible. That's what he said, because they have to sales pitch it now. They can't hide it. And so from this, so many other things come in terms of dots and seeing the pattern, seeing the, the game. So why are human sperm counts absolutely plummeting, especially in the West, but around the world too? Absolutely plummeting. I mean, it's catastrophic. And even CNN came out with a, a report two or three years ago, or maybe, no, two years ago saying that um, if human sperm was an animal, would they be talking about it going extinct? Why? Because there's no need for procreation of human 1.0 when you're moving to human 2.0. A human 2.0 that is not meant to procreate. And because it's not meant to procreate, you don't need men and you don't need women. 
And human 2.0 is meant to be not a transgender, but a no-gender entity. There's no need for procreation, because the procreation, as Aldous Huxley talk about, talked about in Brave New World, came out in 1932, and the technology he talked about is now coming online. The human species, human 2.0, will be technologically procreated, reproduced, in particular psychological, genetically psychological ways that will, again, be all about uh, perceptual control. So this is what well, they're targeting men uh, for many reasons. They, they don't want to toss their own men who are going to stand up and look this thing in the eye and say, not having it. They don't want that. They want, I've watched big, butch, apparently macho men walk up to a restaurant or cafe door, put their bloody face diaper on, walk three yards, sit at the table and take it off. And I'm standing there. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You know, it's ridiculous. I mean, you say, well, that's not sense to ask me to do that i'm not doing it you know look at me i'm a, i'm a testosterone man i'm not having it they don't want that so they're targeting male uh, masculinity uh, toxic masculinity but they also are targeting men and their sperm because don't need them anymore in the brave new world of the great reset and i said when they started targeting men very blatantly i said they're coming for the women next and now they're targeting women because they don't need women either and you know when i was a kid growing up in the 50s and the early 60s Fertility clinics, what's that? <laughs> right? Now they're everywhere trying mm. to uh, help people uh, have babies and stuff. And this is why these scientists and doctors that have bravely spoken out before this, uh, this jab started being played out, that they looked at the, the potential contents. This is a real danger to uh, female fertility. Well, you know something? It's meant to be. That's the idea. And what they're going to find with this jab is that uh, when... Um, the generations of today reach child-producing age, they're going to find they can't. That's the idea. It's phasing out of human uh, 1.0. And so you start to realize how the dots connect in this great uh, web into the transgender activism. And I have this phrase, if it comes out of nowhere and is suddenly everywhere, it's the agenda. A button's been pressed on the next stage. And this transgender came out of nowhere and is now, now dominant. It's the dominant level of political correctness it's at the top of the pyramid almost if not completely why because it's not about transgender and if there's any transgender activists watching this you've been had this is not about you this is about using you to transition from the two gender human to the no gender human you're just the middle phase and the idea is to, on the road to fusing gender into the no gender human, you have to first confuse gender and muddy the waters of what we perceive as gender. You know, when I was growing up and for a long time afterwards, there's a man, there's a woman. It was, it was simple. This is, they procreate and they produce a species. But what they've been doing systematically, and they go for the kids because the kids are going to be the adults when, when this is supposed to come in full blown. They, for instance, put drag queens into schools and libraries to read stories to little kids. Now, you know, if you want to be a drag queen, be a drag queen. None of my business. I have a simple philosophy. Do what you like so long as you don't impose it on anyone else. But if you're going to confuse the perception of gender of a, of a young child, what better than a drag queen who looks like a man but also looks like a woman? What's going on? And the idea is to confuse gender in the perception of particularly the young for those reasons. 
so that they can uh, more easily move on to this fused human, the no gender human. That, all these things are, are happening and you can see them. If you get out of that, oh, that's transgender and that's sperm counts falling and that's the jabs. That's how the five senses see the world. If you, if you come to this level, it's an open book. And uh, I mean, I could keep going for, for hours connecting these dots because they all connect in the end. Everything that's going on is connected. Well, it's uh, brilliant you came on during Thanksgiving because you're going to give everybody nice little conversation pieces during uh, dinner. Thank you so much for doing that. Now, your work is uh, brilliant. Uh, your new book is absolutely the best I think you've written. This is probably one of the best shows I've ever seen, and I got to be part of it. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Anything else you want to share with anyone as far as like, you know, how they can contact you, how, can, how they can reach your work? Yeah, the main hub is called davidike.com. That's where all my videos are. That's where uh, the news is put into context every day. We've got um, a platform that's just two years old. And what's been achieved in two years is stunning. My son, Jamie, uh, created it called Iconic. And this is a, a massive platform now of hundreds of um, new shows. I do a, a show every week that uh, goes through the news of the week for about 90 minutes. Putting the stories into context, my, my son, Gareth, he uh, fronts a show called Right Now, which goes out every Friday, which is really what's happening that week. And we talk to some really great guests who would never get in the mainstream media. And there's documentaries and there's uh, a series. It's an amazing thing. And all my talks and presentations going back to 1994, 1995 are all on Iconic as well. So um, that's an amazing platform. And uh, what's been achieved in two years is, is incredible. And I'm not claiming credit for that. My, my son, Jamie, has, has created it. It was his idea. And what he's done is amazing. So, uh, you know, one of the key reasons that, that that was created is we could see the censorship. Yeah. So as best you can, you bulk up against the, the, you, what you know is coming. So we have our own server. We're not beholding to someone else's server. And we've done everything we can to ensure that we'll, we'll keep having, you know, putting this information out. Because, of course, I said a long time ago, where they want to go in terms of information is that no one ever sees or hears anything that is not approved by the state or approved by authority. And so because that's the goal, you know that the censorship, hysterical as it is already, is not finished. And there are things going on in America. Some, there's been a report by the Aspen Institute, which is cult to its DNA, calling for the end of deletion of misinformation. And misinformation is just an Orwellian uh, newspeak word, meaning the truth. And uh, in Britain, they've got a bill going through Parliament called the Online Safety Bill, with it's all designed to target the alternative uh, media that's um, operating now outside of the mainstream internet because of censorship by YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, etc. But you know, there is um, there is this great line that um, necessity is the mother of invention, and because of this suppression and uh, censorship, there's been some fantastic things created. Iconics, one of them, but there's also all these video platforms that um, have been created. I mean, I put my videos on uh, Alex Jones's uh, Bandot video and they get fantastic numbers. And um, for a, an alternative platform, amazing. And then you've got, you know, alternative uh, social media that's that's come up and grown up as a result of necessity as the mother of invention. And, you know, we are in this sea of all possibility and all potential. And we only limit our expression of that by our perception of the possible and the potential so um, all the things we need to do to bring this to an end all these things we need to do to 
keep this information going. It's all there. It's all around us. We just need to tap into it and, and manifest it. And a lot of people have. They've done a fantastic job um, already uh, building an alternative information uh, network. And uh, we'll see where we go with it. But it's um, it's amazing already. Well, fantastic. And thanks to your sons for uh, you know helping us uh, bring us together. We'll put the links in the description box on my social media. Definitely put this everywhere. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be well received. It's already well received. It's one of the biggest shows I've had. In fact, uh, as I'm looking at it, it is the biggest show I've ever had. So lots of numbers there. So appreciate it, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing more of your work in the future. Yeah, and I, I just say one thing before I finish: the jab has got nanotechnology in it because it's designed on one level. It's designed for many things. It's designed to connect us to the smart grid. This is you know they're saying all these chips, these rice-sized chips. Well, that, that's the thing. That, yes, true. Thousands of people in Sweden have had those put inside them. But in many ways, it was the diversion. The real connection to the smart grid, to 5G, 6G, 7G that they're planning mm-hmm. is, um, and in other words, AI, control of the mind, is nanotechnology. And that's why they're putting this stuff in with these jabs. It's um, to do that. And then at the same time, this is happening just very quickly, some more dots. You've got Elon Musk, who I wouldn't te- uh, trust to tell me the time in a, in a clock factory. He's uh, putting up low orbit satellites uh, with tens of thousands planned, and other companies are too, but he's leading it as a front man, that's all he is for mm-hmm. SpaceX, to beam 5G, the cloud, which is what Kurzweil said will be connected to through AI, the cloud, to beam the cloud at every inch of the earth. So uh, what's going on in the sky is connected to all these other things that I've talked about today. It's a massive web. And... Um, once you realize um, how it works and where it's going, the world just opens up. And every day you can see it. And the smart cities, and we're chipped up now, a lot of us. So it's going to be tough breaking free from this stuff. Nothing well, more powerful than mind. There's <laughs> not a chip. There's not a nanotechnology. There's not a satellite. There's not a Musk. There's not a Bezos. There's not a Gates. There's not a Fauci. There's not a Soros that's more powerful than the human mind in its power. That's where we need to go, because through that, we can bring this down, and we will bring this down. It's just a case of um, how long it takes. Brilliant, David. Thank you for sharing that, and uh, you red-pilled a lot of people today, and uh, I think as we move forward, we're going to see more people waking up. That's a beautiful way to end it. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. been a real pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality.